Good morning once again. Everybody grab on to the pendulum because we're taking a swing. Last week we, uh, we talked about and we hit on the importance of solitude um, and, and the greatness uh, of that and spending time with God alone. We're swinging to the other side of the stage uh, this morning and talking about the importance of gathering together. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, it says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in this, okay, first of all, let's talk about the book of Hebrews. And we're going to get out some uh, theological stuff on you real quick, and then I'm going to forget it. Um, It's attributed to Paul, old school, new school thought is, no, Paul could not have written this. It was more than likely one of his disciples. Um, it is written, a lot of people think, to the, uh, the people of, of Rome um, and written to the second generation of believers there. Now, I'm going to say Paul all the time because I'm an old school kind of guy. I like black and white movies, and it's easier for me. So, the book of Hebrews, what's going on? You have uh, Paul writing to these people. It's a church that, that he started. Uh, he was a great influence over. So you have this, this writing back to them. At a time when their faith is kind of being shaken, they find themselves in a time in the second generation of of people who are believing in Jesus in this second generation of this church. They find themselves at a time when they're being bombarded with all of their old faiths once again. And all of these practices keep coming in. And the reason is because Jesus hadn't come back yet. See, they, they were greatly anticipating like Jesus, his return was right around the corner. He's coming back like any moment he's coming back. So we're going to do this and we're going to remember and we're going to gather together and we're going to do this because he's coming back. He's giving me back because we're going to do this. So we're gathering together because he's he's coming back. Right. Isn't he, he's, isn't he coming back? They, they find themselves in this thing like we're doing this over and over and over again because he's coming back. He's coming back. We, well, we, we think he's coming back. And they're starting to, to waver a little bit. And so all these different things are coming at them. So this letter is to them going, no, 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 no. Guys, hold strong to what you believe in, what you know, the faith that you have had. Remember what I taught you. Persevere. And he gets into this little section right here and he goes, and don't forget. Don't forget to gather together. Because the time is coming. So the writer here has this great importance on gathering together. On worship, if you will. Now, I do not have a doctor of worship, doctorate of worship. Smitty does, right? And Ruth Ann, down the hall, knows a lot more about worship. Than I do. So what I did this week is I sat in Ruth Ann's office with the two worship leaders of our community, Ruth Ann and Daryl, and I said, "Hey, talk to me about this. Let's talk about worship." In honesty, you can go a whole lot of different places with this. What is worship? Whew. Man, we could spend the entire summer on that. 
I spent two and a half years in Matthew. You don't think I could spend some time in what is worship? We could talk about worship for a while, right? We could talk about what it is, the forms that come out, uh, the, the, the ways in which you worship, the way in which you connect um, to, to God and stuff. But what I think the basis of all of it is, and what I think the glue that binds it all together is, when you worship, what you are doing is participating in and experiencing the story of God. When you worship, this, is, this comes from Daryl and his doctorate with Robert Weber and all this stuff, that, that, that when you worship, what you're doing is experiencing and participating in the, the story of God. So we gather together to experience and participate in the story of God, the story that tells us that we're loved, that we're sons, that we're daughters. So, how many of you are familiar with the Pew Report that came out recently on religious studies and the state of Christianity and faith in America? Anybody familiar with it? A few of you? Church, church people? Churchy type people? It actually made more news than just churchy news, because I don't listen to churchy news. I try to stay away from that. I listen to regular news, and the regular news talked about it quite a bit. And the reason they talked about it is because the significant drop in percentage points of people who profess their faith in God. Christianity, we are still, we're still an overwhelmingly Christian society in our country. We're still at 70%. 70% of people say that they are Christians of some sort, some form or fashion. Evangelicals, Protestants, Catholics, mainline denominations, whatever. This big global thing, Christians. We used to be 78. Not too many years ago. We're falling quick. Here's the question. Where did that 8% go? The majority of them, 6% of them, went to, eh. What's your belief on God? Meh. It was actually M-E-H. Meh. was one of the options. The biggest raiser of groups was agnostics, atheists, or Nothing. What do you believe in God? I don't. That was the biggest jump. And the biggest group of people who made the biggest jump were 18-year-olds to 30-year-olds. Thank you for being here. What is it? What is it? Why are we going in this direction? Now, I have this theory and belief that I don't know if it's true or not. There's people smarter than I looking at this stuff. That this is a result of a study that came out decades ago. Decades ago, we have seen that the, the attendance in church services and gathering together as a body has been on a steady decline. For decades, we've just been going dun, 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 down, down, and down. And who, how many people attend church? I think that there's a correlation there. That when people stop coming to church... They stop participating and experiencing the story of God. They stop remembering who they are in the eyes of God. They forget what it means to be loved by God. The relationship gulf just gets bigger and bigger. And therefore, eventually, they stop believing altogether. Here's what I mean. Jenna is uh, about to, um, this coming fall, uh, they're going to celebrate their 20th high school reunion um, here in Alma Heights. The class... The fighting mule class of 95. Um, any 95ers in here? No. Um, and I, a few years ago, we, my, my 20th passed. Um, it's, it's come and gone. 
did they have a reunion at my school? I don't know. No clue. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on any sort of social media whatsoever. So I don't know if there was a Irvington High School class of 92, 20-year um, reunion site. I'm sure there was. But the fact of the matter is, um, having gone to high school in the San Francisco Bay Area and no longer living in that general vicinity, I have no connection to those people. When I graduated high school, one of my dearest friends was Amon Kashup. And Amon and I uh, grew up playing on uh, the basketball team together. We played together from eighth grade all the way to our senior year. And we were great friends, really good friends. I, I remember Amon's house going over. His, it was a Hindu family. And I remember going into his home um, and seeing pictures on the walls. I'm like, dude, what's that? Um, and, and I remember the way in which... Um, he had this, these carpet runners. His family had these carpet runners of plastic, clear plastic. And you were only to walk on those carpet runners for fear of disturbing the rest of the carpet. And Amon in his rebellion would walk offside the pla- you know, outside the plastic and go, what? Until his mom showed up. And he's like, no, we've been on the plastic the whole time, mom. I should remember it so well. And, and I had such a great fond memories of Amon. Here's the thing, though. Um, I don't know where he lives. I don't know if he's married. I don't know if he graduated from college. I don't know what he does for a living. I don't even know if he exists on this earth anymore. Senior year, we were pretty close, pretty tight. Then I go to college down in Texas, and he stays in the Bay Area. And our relationship kind of got a little more distant. And then a few year, more years go by and less communication and less communication and no communication and no communication. And after 20 years, my relationship with Amon is gone. All that exists is a yearbook in an attic in some box somewhere, either here or at my parents' house, and pictures of he and I standing together. That's it. But because my relationship with him wasn't constantly being like I wasn't constantly together with him, I no longer have a relationship with him. My belief is what Paul was worried about here is if you stop gathering together as a community and telling the story of God and remembering why you're together, your relationship with God is going to get like this. And eventually, maybe you won't even believe any longer. We gather together to participate in and experience the story of God. We gather together because we live in a world that tells us stories that are different than ours. And so we gather together on a regular basis to remember his story and the role that we play in it. Because here's the thing. The story of God, when it ends in Revelation, that's not the end of the story. It might be the end of the printed version, but God's story continues. He is continually writing his story through every one of us. As we participate in this story, we become the story. God is like, oh my gosh, look at what I'm writing and doing through these people. And so when we gather together as a body, we don't just participate and remember this story. What we do is we're given the opportunity and the gift 
and the honor to participate and experience God's story through one another. We get to see God's story through each other's eyes. Many years ago, I, I did a sermon. I, I, like If you ask me what I believe theologically 15 years ago and what I believe today theologically, there's some differences. One of the things I said many years ago at the beginning of my ministry here was I believe that you could worship uh, like in, on the Guadalupe River with my fly fishing rod. I, those are some of the best worship services I have by myself. Many years later, somebody came up to me and said, you know, I remember you said this. I'm like, first of all, nobody remembers what I say, especially 10 years, a decade later. But, you know, we don't come to church that often. And I always, my same response is, look, I'm not the church police. This is between you and God. I think it's important, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But you said once that I can worship just by myself. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that I said that. You can experience God by yourself, and it's very important to be by yourself in solitude with God. Yes, do that. But you can't hear the story of others by yourself. If you don't come to a community and you don't participate in a worship service, if you don't come and experience and participate in the story of God as seen through everyone else, then you're missing a lot of God's story. If you don't come then I am missing a lot of God's story. Because you come, I know what it means to be a single female. I know what it means to be divorced. I know what it means to be in an abusive relationship. I know what it means to be diagnosed with cancer. Because you come, I know what it means to be a Democrat. Because you come, I know what it means to be of a different ethnicity. Because you come, I know what it means to have a different sexual preference. Because you come, I know what it looks like, and I know what God's story is doing through you. If you're not here, I'm hurting. Maybe because of you, you know what it means To be a father who has a kid with special needs. The 930 service, we have this beautiful young family that just had a baby. The baby has Down syndrome. And because they've been involved in our community, in our life, in the lives of the Boytons, they already knew what it meant. It didn't make it easier for them. When this beautiful boy arrived, he was here today, three weeks old. He's little bitty, so cute. He's got fuzzy hair. But because they came and were faithful and involved in the story of God of what's going on, they have strength that they might not have had otherwise. They have a story inside of them, the story of grace and the story of Drew. And those stories are what God is doing. One of the versions of this text, the word warn is in there. And don't forget In fact, warn people to remember, to gather together. Because it is when we gather together that the story of God explodes. And how we operate in the world and how we operate with one another 
and how we operate with God is formed. There's this word zimzum. Say zimzum. Say zimzum. I can do this all day. Zimzum is a word that comes from the creation story. And it is a Hebrew word that means contracted. When God was creating the world, God was in it and everything. And God was so big that in order for something else to exist inside of the nothingness, God had to zimzum. God had to contract God's self so that we could come forward. In this story of ours, God took it upon God's self to say, you know what? I'm going to pull back a little bit so that I can tell a story. And he began telling the story through creation. And he began telling this story through Adam and Eve. And he told this story through Noah and through Moses and through Abraham and through Jacob and through David. And he tells this story through Jesus. And he told this story through the disciples and through Paul and through Phoebe. And he tells this story through Mother Teresa. And he tells this story through us. But the key part there is if you look at all the people I listed until I got to us, is one of the things that they're very good about was zimzumming. One of the things that every one of them was great at was contracting themselves a little so that other stories may exist. We live in this consumeristic society that focuses ourselves on us, on us, on us. Our story is the most important. It is about me, is about me, is about me. And consequently, that means you don't matter. In order for us to truly be the sons and daughters who God is calling us to be, from time to time, we've got to figure out what it looks like to do what Jesus did and to zimzum, to contract ourselves, to pull ourselves back so that other stories may exist. Today we come to the table. Today we come to experience this moment, this huge moment in the story of God where Jesus Christ goes into the garden and he's on his knees and he's just sweating blood. He is just so intense about what is about to happen. And he has the power to keep moving his story and make it about him. But what he does this hugely significant moment for our lives was in essence say not my story but theirs not my will but yours he zimzums he pulls himself back so that our stories might begin as we come to the table this morning Remembering that moment. Let us step into that way of life. A way of life of a community that wants, that needs the stories of each other so that we might become who God desires us to be. If you're assisting with the community, if you would come forward at this time.